Hallelujah. Acts chapter 8 is where I'm going tonight. The 8th chapter of the book of church history. Book of Acts chapter number 8. If you're ever interested in some dynamic preaching, not teaching on the book of Acts, I'm not going to send you to these young upstarts with it pull rabbits out of their sleeves every time you turn around. But get on the internet and Google Robert Baer, the great Jerusalem revival. He quotes the first eight chapters of the book of Acts. It's two or three sermons long. Quotes. He's preached for us, and many of you that were here know. He doesn't take a note into the pulpit with him. And it is absolutely mind-boggling. Not that he quotes it all, but the things he brings out of the, the text of the first eight chapters of the book of Acts. That's uh, Robert Baer, The Great Jerusalem Revival, if you want to check it out. Acts chapter 8. And the Bible said in verse 30, And Philip ran thither to him, thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah and said, Understand thou what thou or what you read? Readest? And he said, How can I understand what I'm reading except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee. Of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scriptures and preached unto him Jesus. I'm sure you noticed, you could not help but have noticed the subject of teaching and understanding unknown scriptures discussed in these verses. How can I understand? Do you understand? Then opened he the scriptures and began to preach unto them. Just going to talk tonight for a few minutes because I feel led to helpful Bible study hints. Say it with me. Helpful Bible study hints. You didn't shout like you did for, for the church on Sunday morning when he announced his text. That's all right. He was an evangelist and did a good job of being an evangelist Sunday morning. Blessed, blessed my soul what he was preaching. But tonight I'm coming as a shepherd or a, a pastor, and I want to give you some helpful Bible study hints. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy. Thank you for what you're doing, what you've done. What you plan on doing in this house tonight, encourage our heart, renew our mind, strengthen our soul, increase our knowledge, sharpen our understanding, and God will give you praise for it in Jesus' wonderful and mighty and amazing name. God bless you. You may be seated. Helpful Bible study hints. From the text tonight, I would like to just deduce if it's acceptable, acceptable to you. That when we read God's word, God wants us to understand what we're reading at the same time. 
Now, sometimes we need more help to understand than what we presently possess. That's why we have each other. That's why we have commentaries and dictionaries, etc., to increase the knowledge of what we're trying to understand. Nobody in this room, nobody on planet Earth can look at the Bible and say, I've got it all committed to memory and I understand it all. Just look to me if you need any help. That's not true. The Bible's too vast. The message is too extreme. The content is too deep. The word's too profound. You'll never, I'll never get it all, but I can get enough today to help me in the moment that I'm living in. And God wants us to understand what we're looking at. And I'm going to give you five key points tonight at the end of this message, but several lesser points leading up to the five. I personally believe, young men, old men, everybody in between, that the Bible is the instruction manual for life. We will get on Amazon or go to a bookstore or some other outlet on, on, on the Internet and pay money to buy books how to teach us, that will teach us how to repair a furnace or whatever we we're looking to gain knowledge about. And yet we... So often, too often, put the Bible off as just some historical account of something that doesn't matter to me in the moment. I believe the Bible is the instruction manual for life in 2024. It not only helped Peter 2,000 years ago, it's still helping Peters and Johns and Rons and Davids and Marys in 2024. It's the instruction manual for life. It'll help you in your family. It'll help you in your mind. It'll help you in your troubles. It's an instruction manual for your personal life. And it is more than obvious, so I have to start by saying there are more than one way, there's many ways to study the Bible, but the thing that must be present before anybody attempts to go down their own trail or travelings of study is you have to want it. You have to be hungry. If you're not hungry, you'll just think of it as, as schoolwork that you just need to do to get by. If you want to know more about the Bible message, you have to be hungry to know more about the Bible message. And nobody can make you hungry. I can't say enough to make you hungry. Your wife or husband or kid or parent can't teach you enough to make you hungry. You have to stir up hunger from within yourself. It's your job to create hunger for God's word. Hallelujah. We have to make lifestyle choices. Read the Bible every day, very often. That's a lifestyle choice. If you want to know more, you have to apply more. If you want to gain information, knowledge, and insight, you have to apply more, work more, try more, look at it more. Well, I go to church religiously, pardon the pun. I'm glad you do. But that's not what I'm talking about tonight. I'm talking about hints that help me understand the words of the living word of God. 
Going to church doesn't in itself teach me more about the Bible. It teaches me some, but it doesn't teach me on Monday or on Friday unless I apply it to myself with my own eyes and my own hunger. So I've got to make a lifestyle choice to read or put it in my life every day. And I've told you this till you're tired of hearing it. But the greatest example that instilled that in my life and in my ministry and in my home is not a preacher, not an evangelist with his quick cliches and quips and innuendo. No preacher, no minister instilled it in me. My father instilled it in me. He read the Bible every day. He had that Thompson chain open every day. That little Nelson's Bible commentary beside his desk every day. And he never taught one sermon, never preached one lesson. I'm just trying to tell you, he discovered something, that the Bible was for the common man as much as the minister man. I've told all of you this that have inquired, reading the Bible and studying the Bible are two separate things. They're both necessary, they're both good, they're both prosperous to you, but they're two different things. And if you try to do one thinking you're doing the other, it'll just confuse you. Isaiah 34, 16 said we should read, but 2 Timothy 2, 15 said we should study. They're different words altogether. Read the word, study what you read. And reading, you'll find, is the embryo. It's the seed of Bible study. I said, this is how it usually works. You read, you see something, you make a note of it, and you go back later after your reading and begin to study it. Break it down. Apply it to your life. Look, it for, look for the hidden meanings under the surface of the word. Hallelujah. When you read the Bible, I personally believe. You don't have to hold to this. I told you there's numerous ways to read it. Numerous ways to study it. Here's my offering for what it's worth. When you read the Bible, I think you should read it like any other book. Remember, reading, I'm not talking about studying. You should read it just like any other book from the beginning to the end. Everybody bounces around. I'm talking about developing good Bible reading routines, though, tonight. I'm not talking about searching a scripture out here and there. I'm talking about Bible reading routines. The ones you make of daily effort to accomplish or put in your life. Are we all right? Anybody with me? <laughs> Hallelujah. However, I suggest to new or newer people, to start reading in two places. I've heard people in this congregation and across various Measures of the kingdom give their opinions. Here's just mine for what it's worth. New people that I'm responsible for as the shepherd. I think you ought to begin in two places. One, the book of Genesis, because it's telling the story of our man's beginning. And the book of Acts, because that's telling us the beginning of the church. How man started, how the church got its start. Genesis and Acts. And occasionally, if you, if you wax poetic, go into the book of Psalms or Proverbs. 
if you have that poetic desire or yearning inside of you. But you'll never go wrong when you're looking for first base, first step, ground level A, and the book of Genesis talking about how we all got our start, and the book of of Acts talking about how the church got its beginning. Are we clear tonight? Everybody with me? Hallelujah. But as you read, not study, but as you read, try to put yourself in the context. Jehu's chariot, Jonah's boat, Pilate's judgment hall. What if you were an eyewitness? What if you were a reporter taking down notes of the conversation between Jesus and Pontius Pilate? It's not Hollywood. It's the word of Almighty God. It's real. The stories are consciously real. The Bible isn't a fad. That's why we should read it with passion. Don't read it like a homework assignment, but read it like you know the contents, the message is trying to get in your heart. Stop blocking it. Stop barricading it. It wants to get into your mind. It wants to get into your thought patterns. It wants to get into your processes of life where you choose or don't choose. Just like listening to that favorite teacher of yours in high school (laughs) who demanded you listen to his lectures with pen or pencil and paper and dictionary. And in Bible study, I'd add commentary, concordances. When you read the Bible, you ought to have a place where you go. I mean, read it all day long anywhere you are. But when you're, when you're alone and you've got that closet in your life you can go to, you should be able to look at the dictionary. What does that word mean? Look at the concordance. Did it mean something in Jesus' day that it means in our day? Jesus said in John 5.39 to search the scriptures. Not occasionally dabble, search the scriptures. I mean, go from here to there and back to here and over there. Search the scriptures. I personally believe, as one of those lesser thoughts or hints, as you go through your Bible, you ought to write down your thoughts and your questions. You ought to write them down somewhere. Text me what your questions are. Ask me what your thoughts are about that or, or about your thoughts concerning that. Pardon the analogy. Excuse me. I, don't, I, don't do, my, I do my best to get as l- the least bit of media influence in my life that I can. Media is full of hate and evil and devilish, demonic, ungodly, left-wing, s- silly nonsensical, ridiculous, unexplainable, how, what else can I say? Putrid nonsense. But pardon me if I lean into the analogy. When you read a book or watch a documentary, subconsciously, not that you're aware of this, but every one of us, our mind begins looking for certain things. In the book, in the story, in the article, 
in the documentary, our mind starts looking for a plot, a punchline. Is there a moral to this story? Who's the bad guy in this? Who's the good guy in this? Our mind subconsciously starts looking for those types of details. We're trying to not be convinced by people persuading us to their opinion, but we're looking for truth under the surface of their reports. Every one of us are. We should intentionally, not subconsciously, but intentionally use our mind likewise in Bible reading or study. For example, is the Bible trying to tell me when I read about Joab, he's a good man or an evil man? Because sometimes I'll read how he rebukes David and it seems like he's on the Lord's side. And then I look over here how he deceived David's descendants and I realize he's not on the Lord's side. What's the Bible trying to tell me? And how does this apply to me? Here's the beauty of the word of God and the depth of its contents. I can read that story tonight and see something and I think it's in full full enlightenment to me. I see something. And then next week I read it again and go, how did I? That's not because the Bible message is shaky or unstable, but my knowledge is so incomplete that the more I read and the more I apply myself, the deeper I see into things God is trying to say to us. Is there a lesson we can learn from what I'm reading? Here's the five important suggestions on top of the lesson that I've thrown your way. Number one, whether you are reading or studying, whether you're researching for a thought to teach at mom's group, or you are reading just to fill your soul on a daily basis, whatever you're doing, start it with prayer. Reading the Bible without praying, even if it's just, I'm not talking about a fast all-night prayer service. I'm talking about just on the fly. God, here I am again. I'm here just like I was yesterday, day before, last month, last year. Here I am again. Give me something today, God. Give me a nugget that I didn't see yesterday out of the Word. Inspire me with something afresh, anew, that I did not see. Pray about what you're reading or studying. Again, doesn't have to be some intellectual, theological, all-night seminary-type prayer. Just something. God, help me today. Get something. I'm just offering you some hints about helpful, how to be, uh, find more things that will help you in Bible study. Whether you're reading or studying, start with prayer. And if you read with your little kids at night, Hope you do. We read with Josh and Brad every night in our home. Every night. Sick or well. Stuff going on or, stu- or peace in the home. Yelling and fighting going on or, 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 or all was well. Read with our kids every night. I, I don't know if there's even a handful of exceptions over all the years. I believe that sometimes you should just look at it as sacred. I don't care what is. I don't care if the world's burning down around me. This is my time with my kids right here, and I'm going to open the Bible. I'm going to pray, God, 
Give my son something. Give my daughter something. Give me something. As shallow as it may seem, as naive as it may appear, I believe God hears those prayers with such earnest desire to answer those. Start with prayer. Number two, develop a daily habit. I didn't say just vow to God, but develop a daily habit of intentional Bible input into your mind. I've asked many of you to make vows in the past, and, and I don't apologize for any of it. But Solomon said it's better not to make a vow than to make a vow and not keep it. I believe we should develop daily habits of intentional Bible input. Acts 17, 11, Sister Pleo said these were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they, they, they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily. Daily. You know what keeps you and I from being deceived by false prophets? You know why religion sometimes can sound so good, but something inside of you says, mm, I don't know. I thought everybody that loved Jesus was going to heaven. And if you believe that, I'm surprised that there aren't bells and whistles going off in your spirit and soul, your brain, your mind, your respect. Because Jesus said, if you love me, John 14, keep my commandments. So there's more to it than just some romantic output or some ambitious, here I am, Lord, agapeo output. Love means I'm committing and obeying and doing what God told me to do. So anyway... Anyway, they search the scriptures daily. That's what keeps you and I safe from all the voices, religious voices floating around out there telling you, eat, drink, and be merry. It doesn't matter anyway. Because when you search the scriptures, something inside you says, mm, I don't see that in the Bible. I see men that hazarded their life for the message they preached. Number one, whether you're reading or praying, start with prayer. Reading or studying, start with prayer. Number two, develop a daily habit of intentional Bible input. Don't let a migraine stop you. Don't let family problems stop you. Don't let work stop you. Somewhere in your life, there's five minutes every day. There's 15 minutes every day. I don't care how busy you are. Turn the snow plow off for 15 minutes, Brother Lance, and open the Bible or put it on in the CD player. Everybody's got a minute or two to hear a voice from God every single day. And I'm going to tell you, as a shepherd, I say this respectfully. It is so easy to tell the people that have the word every day in their life from the people that don't have the word in their day every life. People that don't put the word every day, they're out of control. Their anger, their unforgiveness, their, their misunderstandings of scriptural things. Number three, keep in mind the Bible is both instructional and historical. Say those words with me. It's instructional and it's historical. See this note right here, Sister Flail? I made a note to myself not to chase emotional extremes tonight. 
I have a habit of doing that. And I got a feeling I'm about to do it. <laughs> Keep in mind the Bible is both instructional and historical, meaning sometimes it's teaching me. Sometimes it's informing me. Sometimes I'm gathering information. Sometimes I'm getting inspiration. Sometimes I'm getting instruction. Sometimes I'm getting counsel. Sometimes I'm getting wisdom. Sometimes I'm getting a word from God. Sometimes I'm getting a revelation. The Bible message cannot be corralled into one distinct pattern. It teaches you, it informs you, it inspires you, it instructs you, it counsels you. So let it do its work. Keep in mind, it has a very task it's trying to accomplish every time you open the word of God. And above informational, inspirational, instructional, it is always transformational. Tell me what that means. Come on. It changes you. When you look with intense desire, it changes you. That's why some of you aren't new converts anymore because you've read, you've, in, you've ingested, you've fasted over, you prayed over, you've heard preaching, and the word's grown in your life. You're not chasing whimsical ideas out there and crazy visions, you're looking to the contents of the Word of God for instruction and wisdom. Ever get to crossroads in life? Everybody says, of course I do. Ever get to places in life you don't know what to do? Of course I do. Ever have family problems you don't know what the answer is? Of course I do. About the time you think, oh, I gotta finish the book of Romans tonight. And you've asked the pastor, you've asked the spiritual elders, you've asked your mentors. And they just say this or that, but you're not satisfied that that's exactly where you wanna plant your nail. You get into that, and you're a daily read, and you're going, oh, yeah, yeah. And then, boom, a nugget of wisdom comes off that book. It's pages in chapter 8 or 9 or 14. And you realize that's exactly what I needed to hear from God. It counseled me. It informed me. It inspires me, and it changes me. So when pastors tell me, and they have, I just don't get much time to read the Bible. I'm like, shut your face, preacher. How dare you have the gall to say that in front of people trying to be saved, preacher. Brother, if you ever become my pastor... Let me know if you quit reading the Bible every day because I'm not following you. 
I'll go to a church where they believe every word in the book is for me. I'll go somewhere the preacher puts his heart and soul into the contents of the word of God. Hallelujah. Keep in mind, its goal is to transform you and I, to change us. Sometimes you got to consider context as you study or read. Am I reading from the law, the prophets? New Testament or old? Does it matter? Depends on what I'm looking for. Depends on what I'm looking at. Someone said all the Old Testament is historical and it does not apply to us. You haven't been reading your Bible. Because Paul said, you won't have this, but Romans 15, 4, the things that were written aforetime, talking about the law, the Old Testament, were written for our learning, instruction, counsel, information. Does it matter that you know you're reading from the major or minor prophets? It really does matter. Am I reading the Gospels? Were the Gospels in the church age? Of course they were not. John said the law and the prophets were until John, Jesus said. Luke 16, 16. So there's that thin line that gets crossed there in the story of the birth of the church. And this is where some of you are going to get hung up, or maybe you already are. And you might not even hear anything else I say after this. It's a very small concern to me, however, a concern. And all these reading plans are available. They're smarter than me. Put their time into that. Um, some of them are smarter than me. But I, I just get a little concerned when people tell me I do this and I do that and I follow this. Look, I, I'm glad you're reading it all, okay? I'm glad you're reading. I'm offering you hints, though. It'll get you deeper into the Word if you want them. But, but bouncing around plans puts more pressure if you're trying to understand what you're reading. Remember our text tonight? Understand what you read. He said, how can I? Unless some man guides me. If you want to understand what you're reading, then there's more pressure on you to retain, to retain context when you read Micah today and back to 1 Samuel tomorrow and then over to Jude on Friday. You've got to remember more. I know the Bible's not written according to how the calendar played out. I get that. But the Bible said every word of God is inspired. God knew exactly what he was doing by putting Genesis before Exodus, Exodus before Leviticus, before Numbers, before Deuteronomy. So I get a little concerned. Not enough to say something about it unless you ask me. I just want you to read the Bible. If there's anything you can put on my tombstone, and I hope... You live to be 100, and I preach your funeral. But if I don't, Teresa, she's watching tonight. I know that's her dad saying right there. Tip my hat to your father. But if there's one thing a ministry desires, my ministry desires as a legacy, is that more than anything, more than anything, I wish I could convince, convince people of the importance of reading the Bible every day. We, we miss it. We often miss it. Preachers miss it. Saints, good, good people miss it. Number four, as you read through the scriptures, pay attention to things that become part of your favorites list. There's a, there's a term that we, we know because it's a modern thing. 
your favorites list. Develop hot spots. I'm telling you. Because when I'm depressed, I promise you, I'm not calling you and telling you. I'm not. Because that's not how the chain's supposed to work. Because if I call you, Brother, Brother Carlson, say, I'm just down and out. I quit. I, I, I. You know what he's going to think when he gives it off the phone with me? What? I mean, if he quits, where am I going from here? I'm not doing it. I'm not going to do it. But I have learned where I can go. I've got these little favorites list in the Bible, all right? Things that get to right to the heart of the matter of the problem in Ron Herring's life. Things that speak to me personally, professionally, intellectually, informationally, transformationally. It's taken years to compile my list. Maybe you've got one verse you go to. I'm telling you some hints tonight that will help you. Develop that favorites list that when no one can help you, you can go back to that scripture that says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still water. How do you not feel better reading the 23rd Psalm? It may not change anything outwardly, but inwardly it's working on my life. I'm talking about developing a list in your life that when your friend can't fix you, your kids are out of control, you can find a lonely little quiet place and go to that favorite's hot spot. Am I talking to myself tonight or what? All right, I got to hurry. I'm losing you right here. <laughs> but the more you read, the more it becomes personal to you. Number five, develop. Oh, I'm such a believer in this. I'm a believer in all of this. And from one to five, they just grow in intensity in my own life. But I personally offer you this piece of advice. As you read or as you study, develop, make a personal Bible diary. I don't care what kind of paper it's on. I don't care if it looks professional or I couldn't read it if I had to. It doesn't matter. But I, I, I have learned to do that many, many years ago started because I would write down how I'm feeling emotionally. I'm mad at the world. I'm sick of working so hard and barely surviving. And I put down my raw emotions right there. And then I talk about what I just read in the scriptures and how God told me it's, it's great to be content in life. And, and how powerful it is just to, to live in, and exist in the moment because tomorrow different things are going to come my way. And, and joy comes in the morning. Whatever it is, a personal Bible diary. I have looked back on my Bible diary through the years. I can't tell you thousands of times. I've got notes right here. There's one right there that says March 16th, 1994, 30, almost 30 years ago. Just things out of that chapter that jumped off the page. The back of my Thompson Chainer. I'm not looking for your attaboys. I'm trying to establish my point here. I've got notes of interest, and I'll just throw them out to you as thoughts or ideas about breakdown on the Bible, chapters, verses, words, letters, New Testament, Old Testament, shortest, longest, tribes of Israel, the names, where they came from, what their ages were. I wrote all this down just to stir up my 
levels of hunger along the way. What the seven churches are, the 12 patriarchs, the 10 plagues, the fruits of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, the fivefold ministry, the 15 judges of Israel, the apostles, the spies, the cities of refuge, on and on and on. Hundreds of years, not hundreds of years, hundreds of Bible studies over the years that have spoken to me and I put in my diary and I look back over them some decades old and I just wonder, wow, what was I feeling that night in Memphis? What was I feeling that night in Tuscaloosa? What was I feeling that night in Albuquerque when I wrote that note? I, I wouldn't sell it to you for a million dollars. I look at that now and think, Shh, it's like looking at a family photo album. I preached one night, not that you'll care, but I preached one night, and the brother had a good church. It was in Mississippi. And man, the service was kind of like Sunday around here. It was just rocking. The good things were happening. And uh, I preached on the Godhead. And I, I don't know, I quoted a lot of scriptures. It was when I was young, all right? I had, I had some error in this these lungs. And that apostolic one God Jesus named Pastor got up behind me. I'm telling you the gospel truth. And he made comment about how many scriptures I quoted from the Bible. And he said these exact words. Well, I guess I just have to trust Brother Herring's study. Because it's a little bit too much for me to verify. And I'm over here going. trying to tell me you approve or disapprove of me sweating my brains out and quoting till my tongue is swollen from your Bible. I wrote that down. It's one of my notes in my diary. You lunk-headed, stiff-necked. Worked my head off for you and your church. You get up there and throw me under the bus in front of your people. And this is what the prophet Habakkuk said, the minor prophet. He said, write the vision. It's for an appointed time. At the end, it will speak, not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not tarry. The vision, what you see from the word of God, what I, what I want to bring out of that. Write it down. Put it in your diary. The, other, the, the prophet said, write it down plainly. As you study, write down your questions, your thoughts, your feelings. That's too vast, Pastor Herring. I just want to get my Bible reading over. Well, I'm offering you hints how to understand more of what you read in the Bible. If you read the Bible like, check, I did it today, Jesus. Aren't you pleased with me? You're missing the point. You're missing the point. It's supposed to leave you changed and stimulated and challenged and encouraged. Here's what I just said. Pray about your reading desires. Develop a habit, a daily habit. Reading the Word of God. But 
discern if what you're reading is trying to instruct you, inform you, inspire you, but ultimately know it's trying to change you. You have to take it serious to do that. Number four, develop a favorite section and return there frequently. There's sometimes I'll get hung up on my favorite section and I'll read my daily Bible reading and then I'll go to my favorite's place. I, I, sometimes I'll go three months every day in a row after that, after my d devotional time. I just, I just, I'm in a valley somewhere. I'm confused about something. I'm angry about something. Just telling you how I am, all right? And the, those, those little hot spots just chip away at me. What are they trying to do? Not just make me feel good. They're trying to change my heart. I will say this. I, I should probably jump over then and I'll close with that. Number four, develop a favorite section and return there frequently. Number five, begin a personal Bible diary. It'll become priceless to you. I guarantee you that. And some of you haven't listened to much tonight. I know you've been distracted. That's okay. Um, maybe you can get on the podcast later. That's not a shot at anybody. I just understand stuff that's going on. But 5A, for good measure, I offer you this. 5A, I offer you this for good measure. Don't ever let yourself, I don't care what position you occupy. I don't care if you're the assistant pastor, the head music person, you're the youth leader, it doesn't matter. You're the pastor, secretary, church board, what, however high on the ladder you climb, never let yourself think that you've read the Bible enough. That ain't about right. <laughs> that is 100% spot on accurate, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I want to quote a couple of things to you, and then I, I promise I'll let you go. Hallelujah. Years ago, when I was in the charismatic movement, and that's not a shot at anybody, I still have friends that are living in that. I came out of it because, as, as the man said Sunday, you can leave anything and come to this, but you can't leave this and go to anything. So I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back, but it was a stepping stone. The Holy Ghost is given to us for what reason? Guide us into all truth. Hallelujah. But I used to read when I was part of that movement a magazine that's still out there. It's online now like all magazines have gone. But it used to be the number one thing if you were in the church, the body, if you attended church anywhere, this charisma, that was the name of it, magazine, was the, it was the almanac of churchgoers. It came out monthly or whatever it was, maybe weekly back then. And our pastor back then gave all of us in leadership a copy and we read it. It was, it was interesting. It talked about various matters. But I'm going to read to you a couple quotes from Charisma Magazine. They're online. If you don't believe me, you can research them for yourself. Charisma Magazine said, and I quote, Churches that focus primarily on the Word of God are now out of style. October 3rd, 2010, Charisma Magazine article said the church is now an alternative society, not a mainstream influence in society. And I read that and I go, since when has the church ever been a mainstream influence in society? 
Jesus said, if they hated me, they're going to, the brother preached it Sunday, right? If they reject me, they're going to reject you. I'm not done. Charisma Magazine, talking about Bible study hints, Charisma Magazine, May 2020, just three and a half years ago, this is what the the article of the writer of the article said. Hired as a freelance reporter by Charisma Magazine for his opinions and his takes after he did a survey. He says, and I quote, the church world doesn't understand by and large what it means to be spirit filled, he says. The writer goes on to say, I visited a fairly large church, established church, that was vibrant in worship and filled with friendly people. He didn't say mega church. He just said a fairly large church, established church that was vibrant with worship, filled with friendly people. He says in May 2020, Charisma Magazine, the worship was concert style, the music almost professional and very polished. He said people were closing their eyes and raising their hands as they sang along in worship. He says the preacher was a guy with a rough edge, yet skilled, as you might imagine, in an environment like this. He said the preacher communicated well and the message seemed to be biblical. And the writers closed his article by saying, I couldn't get out of that place fast enough. Because... He said, they're what I'm talking about when I say the church world doesn't understand what it means to be spirit-filled. The same people that said, if all you want to focus on is the Bible message, then you're not a product of what society is looking for today. Are you glad you're not a product of what society is looking for today? And if anybody was misinformed. It's that knuckle-headed left-wing media man member representing religious society thinking that to be spirit-filled meant to be quiet, toned, controlled. I want to say to that man, if you had what these people had out of the book, you might be standing on your feet, clapping your hands, raising your arms, closing your eyes, because spirit-filled is fire and life and change and hope and inspiration. So the next time you sit down to study the Bible, think about that. One thing you ought to pray, if this is, if this is your go-to, It probably isn't, but if there's somebody in the tape ministry, this is your go-to. Got to get my Bible reading done today. Don't want Jesus mad at me. Then you need to start praying like this. God, would you show me? Would you show me that the, the word is actually a living organism that's supposed to be in my mind and in my heart? I don't want to read it if I get to the point where it's just like taking medicine. I want to look at it with passion and hunger and desire and ambition. I want Dave McDonald to send me scriptures in the morning that say, look at this beautiful nugget I just saw in the word of God. I want Jimmy Tostin to send me scriptures every day that say, look what I saw today, pastor, in the word of God. That's transformational. Just a few Bible study. Helpful Bible study hints. 
I don't need all the world's opinion of my religion. I just need to get in God's word. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy tonight. Thank you for your understanding tonight, God. Thank you for your helping hand, God, today. Thank you for your loving kindness. Thank you for ministering to every need, directing every hand, encouraging every soul, inspiring every hungry heart. Thank you, Lord, for counseling us, instructing us, guiding our steps. It's a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Thank you, Lord, that it burns so brightly in our heart. It's your precious word. Because you're inseparable from your word. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. No wonder it burns so so passionately. No wonder when we read it, it's like like waves of liquid love, God challenging us. Hallelujah. Oh, bless God.